1: Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Just the Tips. I'm very happy that you guys are here with us today. This is your host James P. Friel. Uh, we've got a really, really cool show uh, lined up for you guys. If you're interested in really uh, getting into like ninja mind tactics to help you know help get your message out there and be able to market to people at an at a subconscious level, um, we've got somebody who's a, an expert in that, and I'm going to introduce him in just a second. But before I do, as you guys know. I do this show with a guy who has the most magnificent beard in the United Kingdom and this is on record like I've said it before you guys know that it's true. Mr. Dean Holland welcome to the show.
0: You know the ir- ironic thing is while you were saying that I was stroking said beard and nodding intently like yes he's true this is true and then I realized <laughs> you're speaking of me yes well hi James how are you doing?
1: Uh, I'm very well Dean and yourself.
0: I am good. Of course. Any moment with you is a
1: good moment, isn't it? It is. I feel like sometimes we should actually introduce your beard separately.
0: <laughs> right, as its own entity.
1: <laughs> right. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Dean Holland's beard.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's going to be one of those days. <laughs>
1: it is. Of course, uh, your your beard is a man of few words. He's just there for, you know, for looks right. and to make it just other men jealous. Yeah, it just sort of hangs out. That's amazing. <laughs>
0: I'm <laughs> looking uh, forward so, to this show, I'm intrigued
1: I am intrigued as well, we have uh, Will Leach uh, who's joining us today Will, Will, welcome to the show man, we're, uh, we're excited to have you
2: Gentlemen, thank you for having me, I too am looking forward to talking to Dean's beard today
1: <laughs> Good, <laughs> he, uh, he takes in all of the information and doesn't really like, you know, kind of give you a lot of feedback But you know he's listening
0: Yeah, It's mm-hmm. all about growth
1: Oh. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> that is uh that was unexpected. <laughs> okay. I was That's saying great.
0: one of those days.
1: Yeah, I see you're on. That's good, Dean. I'm glad. <laughs> so, uh so Will, uh, you have a really really unique perspective on marketing and selling that uh that I was very very interested to talk with you about and wanted to get you on the show to have this conversation. And I've studied, you know, marketing and sales psychology for a really long time, as has Dean. And, you know, one of the things that's always uh been very apparent to me is there's so much going on underneath the surface of how people think that drives their behavior. And I feel like that's really what you uh you've made a, you know, an entire conquest of studying that.
2: Yes, I have. You know, it's funny because it's relatively new um, in terms of the entire career that I've had. I, I started off my career in traditional marketing research, worked in biotech for a while, energy. But then I moved over to PepsiCo for a number of years where we started really diving in and investing in neuroscience and behavioral psychology into really understanding why people do what they do. And through that whole journey, uh, came into this idea that um, I remember reading this Stat. It'll put some perspective on why it's important to understand this ninja marketing that you're talking about, because we make about 35,000 decisions on any given day, like 35,000. So the vast majority of those decisions are happening at the non-conscious level. But yet all of our marketing or a lot of the marketing you see today is still trying to convince people to buy and talking about these brand benefits and these narratives and all that kind of stuff. And um, just from a behavioral psychology perspective, it never made sense to me. Um, And so I dove headfirst into the science and uh, I'm here today to talk to you about it. Nice.
1: Awesome. So you mentioned that you did some work with, uh, you know, corporates and stuff like that. Have you, did you transition from a corporate career into doing more entrepreneurial stuff or have you? That's exactly right. Is it? Okay. Tell us a little bit about that.
2: Yeah, so it was a you know, classic you know, 20 years in uh, client-side marketing research, right? So I worked on brand development for a lot of Pepsi brands, worked in Shopper Insights. And uh, it's exactly what you imagine happens in corporate America. The minute you fall in love with your job, which at that point I was at Pepsi and I was running behavioral sciences over there at PepsiCo, over uh, Dallas for to lay and that's when they want to rotate you, and uh, you know. So some of the ideas were, "Hey, can you go to move to Chicago and go help with uh, Oatmeal Insights?" And uh, brother, that was not the plan that I had for myself. And so uh, I just kind hold of hold on one second
1: the- before you keep going. Oatmeal Insights yes, is, is that, that <laughs> is that what I think it is? Like you're actually trying to figure out how to get people to eat oatmeal?
2: Yes, it, yes, it is, and surprisingly, it's a lot more difficult than you may think, uh, uh, there, James. So. That's exactly right, and that's see my see my uh, my confusion on why I didn't want to go to oatmeal. That would be or go to Chicago. That would have been my life. So I took the jump. I uh, I didn't want to be an entrepreneur, but uh, I was like, I want to do this with my life, which is understanding why people do what they do and messaging to the non conscious, and uh, that's why I started Trigger Point.
1: Uh, it's fascinating, Dean. I think he could be one of the first people we've had on the show who actually took the jump to be an entrepreneur, who actually didn't want to take that jump.
0: Right? Yes. Yeah. More like a push.
1: He <laughs> <It> was <laughs> like shoved it. into it.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Intriguing.
1: Yeah. So, Will, how long ago was that?
2: Oh, man. Um, I made the jump in 2012, uh, summer of 2012. And, you know, the first year, it's just like anything else. You don't know what you're doing. You think you have this great idea and you find out after about a year, you don't know how to communicate that idea. You don't know how to do anything. So so I don't like to think of myself really jumping in 2012. I really like to think about it as leaving in 2013 because the first year I was a mess. I was a wreck. I didn't know what I was doing.
1: What does that mean? What, like, were you, like, tell us a little bit about that struggle. It's okay. Yep. We're, we're here to listen <laughs> um, on this show, and uh, we're very, very sympathetic people. Yeah, we're, we're well known
0: for
2: either bringing people together or completely splitting them up. Let me get my tissues. Um, yes. so Talk to us, Will. On the very first time I went to pitch this idea. So TriggerPoint was really originally the idea of my company was I wanted to work for an ad agency. I said, hey, listen, if I'm going to develop behaviorally uh, or psychologically optimized communications, I want to go work with an agency. So I thought I'd be a back of the office kind of how could I provide you know consultancy or, or, or consulting to agencies. So I'll never forget this. There's a local agency over here in Dallas. Uh, called Firehouse. And I got a 20 minute meeting with the founder. So I was, I was like over the moon, like, this is great. And I get in there and I start talking and the meeting goes from 20 minutes to about an hour and a half. And I'm like, this is awesome. Like I'm killing this meeting. And I'll never forget the, uh, the, the head of the, uh, of the company looks at me as Will. He says, I know you're passionate about what you do, but what exactly are you trying to sell me? Out. So right, right. So for an hour and a half, I'm sitting there talking to this guy about all these things that we could do. And that's when you realize that you don't really know how to, how to, how to run a business if you can't communicate, you know, or I'm supposed to be a, a master of design and uh, behavioral <laughs> communications. And I can't even get this guy to understand what I do for 90 minutes. So that's the type of thing I mean, like where I didn't know how to build systems, didn't know how to sell my idea, but I knew that it worked. And I knew I was passionate about it because I was doing the stuff at Pepsi. I just didn't know how to sell it to other people. Yeah, sure. That's amazing. <laughs> I just got this awesome image of you
0: being like, almost like, not smug, but almost like satisfied. Like, yeah, I'm crushing this.
2: And then the guy <laughs> actually, <laughs> Oh, yeah. The smirks. Exactly. The <laughs> nods I was giving the guy. He was giving me the nods back. And yeah, it's humbling <laughs> when the guy tells you, I just don't know what you're trying to sell me.
1: <laughs> this has been a great meeting, but what the hell are you talking about?
2: <laughs> yeah. 90 minutes of cordiality. So I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> That's amazing. And and
1: obviously you're passionate about it. um, But so what you said something psychologically structured marketing is that the term that you used?
2: Yeah, um, behaviorally designed. So it's it's but it's based upon cognitive psychology. So there are these four factors. That if you want to really create, we call hot state decision-making, right? So when you're in a hot state, we could talk all about hot states between you two. But when you're in a hot state, you're much more susceptible to influence. Like that's why Vegas gets us into so much trouble. Um, And that's like the science behind emotional marketing. So when you have agencies talking about, you know, we want to get more emotional and we have all these emotional models... There is science behind it. So what I've done is I've figured out the science behind it. It's four different social sciences, and so what we do is understand these four social sciences and adapt the learnings into putting those into creative. So it's science-based design.
1: Okay. So give. So let's uh, let's get into some meat and potatoes here. You got it. Um, this show is called Just the Tips, Dean. We need yes, some tips. Is.
0: Yes, it is.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, so if we if we're like trying to architect a marketing campaign. Mm-hmm. How do we how do we go about it using these uh, these different sciences that you've yep. studied versus how you would typically go about it?
2: Yep. So first thing to do is is really understand there are four factors. That influence the vast majority of things that we do, right? The first thing is goals. Like what are your goals? That's just classic goal theory. You have functional goals and higher order goals. So functional goals being, I want to save money, I want to save time, all that crap. But then you have higher order goals. Like why is that important to you? Well, there's an emotional desire that you're seeking. So that's just basic goals. That's no big deal. We've been doing that for a long time in most marketing. Once you understand somebody's goals, you have to understand what motivates them to reach their goals. That's motivational psychology, right? That's the engine behind why you continue to go after your goals. So there's these nine human motivations, right? Um, One is security, this desire to feel secure and protected from threat. Or esteem, right? Esteem is uh, to feel approval and respect from others, that's why social media is so important to people um, because they want to, you know, post things that would help them feel more respected. Or autonomy is another one of these motivations, and a lot of HR functions are, are working in autonomy to provide freedom and independence in their and help have self determining their actions. Right. So there's nine of these motivations, but realize that's the engine that drives people to go after their goals. Third science is called regulatory fit. Um, and that's just a basic desire. You guys probably would have heard of it around approach versus avoidance. So when you go after your goals, mm. you, have a, you either approach or you seek to um, maximize your chances of reaching that goal. It's called promotion regulatory focus. So you're going to see brands, messaging, strategies that are telling you, if you buy me, you will maximize your chances of reaching your goal. You can have the exact same goal, the exact same motivation. Other people... Will take what's called a prevention approach to reaching that goal. And they're seeking to minimize their chances of risk. So they're gonna see brands, messaging strategies, visuals, they're gonna, they're gonna be more open to visuals that are communicating that to them that by taking this brand or to buying this brand, they are minimizing their chances of not reaching their goal. And it sounds small, but guys, it's a really big part of behavioral design because there are actual cues in messaging. There are cues in visuals that actually create that saliency or create that that feeling of avoidance versus approach. And lastly, this is kind of popularized now. It's uh, you want to understand... Uh, the behavioral factor called a trigger. But the idea would be it's behavioral economics, behavioral economics 101. It's that we have these biases or these cognitive heuristics they call, but these rules of thumb um, that you use to make decisions every day. So classic one in the States is scarcity effect, right? We value things that we believe are scarce in nature. So because of that, if we feel like, hey, there's only three seats left, or for a limited time only, that helps people make a decision quickly. Because we don't want to do cost benefit analysis of 35,000 decisions on any given day. So you use these biases, these heuristics to help you make a decision faster. So it might be loss aversion, it might be scarcity effect. There's a whole bunch of them. Well, who cares? Okay, so there's four sciences. Who cares, right? Well, why you should care as a marketer, if I put all those things together into a piece of creative, into messaging, on a website, on packaging, in fact, and you do it well, I'm doing air quotes for you. Um, you should. I saw that actually. I, yes. so, that, even I raised my hands up nicely. <laughs> so you should be able to increase emotional arousal. That whole Vegas effect. And like I said, when you have high emotional arousal or what they call a hot state, you're more susceptible to influence. So what I'm trying to do is design for those four factors. And when you do that, you have you're much more likely to get somebody to take on a, a, an action. And like I said, you can use it in messaging, but um, you can use it. Um, I just wrote a book about this, where you could use it on your uh, on on talking to your kids and helping you know helping you get navigate homework issues. It's just behavioral science. I'm just trying to adapt it into messaging and marketing right now.
1: So, give us an example of doing this. Like, what does this look like? I mean, obviously, you've got to do what every good marketer should do and completely understand your avatar and who you're marketing to, because that that helps you understand some of those things. I would imagine. Sure. But so so like, take us through the. Take us through a process where you actually did this, and what kind of uh, what kind of results you created by using this approach.
2: Sure, I'll, I'll give you one that um that kind of started the career, and uh, we won an award for it. this. was back in Golly. When was this? Twenty eleven. So i will still over at PepsiCo.
1: Secretly, I do hope this is about oatmeal. Yeah. But it's okay if it's. <laughs>
2: I, it is going to be about Doritos and Pepsi. So, um, right, so, so I'm enough. sorry to disappoint you, but you know there's some that's a pretty good brand. So, here's a classic uh, project um, that that kind of ramped up this whole idea uh, for me around behavioral design. So, here's what happened: PepsiCo invested a bunch of money in barrel cooler. So, imagine that in a convenience store and in, in a small grocery store, you know they want to place a cooler full of Pepsi beverages, and then they want to wrap that cooler with a bunch of chips. Right? And the idea would be. Put that over there by the uh, checkout uh, uh, checkout uh, line, or uh, near 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 the bin, um, and then you can go walk by, grab a soda, grab some chips, and get one low price. So it's pretty expensive to do that, but you know we figured that uh, if we do that enough, C stores or convenience stores, we're going to be able to bundle up those projects. Right? Here's what's happening: they send a couple hundred thousand out to different retailers and find out that it's not worth the cost. Right? So people aren't buying enough beverages, Pepsi's, and chips together. And so what they do is they say, okay, here's how we're going to do We're going to wrap them in a bundle. So you always hear about marketers talking about bundling. We want to bundle products, and so we're going to buy both of these for one low price. So in the case, of, in this case, it was like buy both together for two dollars and twenty two cents, which is actually a really good, uh, a really good price point. But they weren't getting kind of enough take rates, so they said, well, take a look at this, and what would you? They kind of heard about our our, our group, and what could you do differently? So here's what we did, real simply based. We looked at some old research and found out that guys, in particular. Um, and who are using convenience stores as a, as a, you know, basically a lunch place, uh, they're going in, uh, because one, they're hungry, imagine that hungry and thirsty, but they also think of a convenience store as a place of uh, or actually even their lives as a place of battle. So talking about every day is a battle. So imagine a real estate agent, imagine a plumber, imagine a, a contractor who's using the convenience store as like a place to just decompress because they have to get fuel to go and uh, and start their next project, right? Go into their next, go to their next meeting. So basically, I took a bunch of that psychology and said, okay, these guys are seeking to win the battle. They kept using these battle metaphors, and so I know that now achievement. So I know their goal. I want to get hunger. I want, I want to lose. Uh, I want to get get, get something to eat. Um, and they keep thinking of their day as a battle. Like I've got to get through the next day. I got to get through the next day. I got to get through the next meeting. So now I know that they're driven by achievement motivations, right? So I figured out my goals and my motivations. And because the language they're using, they were talking about it in a promotion regulatory state, meaning that they were seeking fuel so they can make it to their next appointment. So I got three out of my four factors there. The biggest one here was the uh, cognitive bias that we were discussing. So here's this idea. There's this concept called hedonic bundling. And rather than bore you with the science of it, here's what happens is you can actually create greater desire for a group of items if rather than placing the discount over both items, like I said, buy both together for $2.22, rather than doing that, discount the thing they feel guilty about, place the whole discount on the one item that they feel guilty about. So rather than saying, buy both together for $2.22, say this, buy both together, save $0.70 on the purchase of the soda. Because people feel slightly more guilty about buying the soda. Same discount. All we did was kind of reframe that up. And so basically you're discounting guilt. You're discounting sin. Just by doing that, a couple of different visuals, um, we were able to increase bundles by about 20%. So we didn't have to talk about brand preference. We didn't have to do heart models. I didn't try to you know, bring on an, an actor to try to get you to engage with the brand. It's all purely science-based stuff. And I learned this stuff out of some, um, some professor out from Yale who did it for a totally different category. I read his article and I said, we can take that same idea and put it into a discount. Um, and so that's, that's, that's one that won a national award because we use pure behavioral science and that discount to increase uh, bundles quite, quite dramatically on some weeks.
1: That's amazing. Yeah, I don't know about you, Dean. I kind of just want to uh, hear all these other hacks right now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like okay. Yeah. Got it. Discount the thing they feel guilty about. Um, what
2: else? Wow. Well, the one one thing that um that we do a lot. It's a real basic. Ha- it's a real basic hack. It's um. So clients will talk. They'll talk about the model, and they will say, "Okay, so you know, how do I understand the motivations of people?" And that's probably deep psychological research. I say, don't don't start with the motivation. Don't start with the hard stuff. The goals. Go to the trigger. The last the last part of that model. And there's this concept that we forget about all the time. And it's it's just basically, I tell people, if you want to increase sales dramatically right now, without doing any research, focus on the trigger, meaning this, focus on telling people what you want them to do and when to do it. Place in media sound. So we talked a little bit about scarcity effect, right? And this idea that we place... Uh, we assign greater value to things we believe are scarce in nature. We do it on time as well. It's not just things that we place uh, scarcity effect on. It's also time. So one of the first things I tell people like, okay, we've got to hurry up. We've got to create some top line grits. So like, just do this. Put somewhere on your, on your advertisement. Put somewhere what you want somebody to do and when to do it. Buy now. Offer today, sign up today, things like that. So sometimes I just tell people, start with the easiest thing to do, which is a basic trigger. And you can get some short-term revenue growth that way and then work your way backward because it's real tough to figure out people's motivational motivations for the average person. That's a lot of research. But if you start off with that little small little tip, tell the mind what to do and when to do it. It may look ugly, but I'm telling you it'll drive sales, um, short-term sales for sure. So um, that's one um, I would tell you about. Let me think. Let me think of some other, other, other crazy ones. Ah, I got one. Oh, this one sounds yes. exciting. Okay, so it's I'm ready. It, it's this idea of focusing on frames. It, it, so it's that third part of the model: promotion versus prevention. What I find is that people really they're they're, they're seeking messages. That just fit with their intuition and framing, or this idea of the, these the, this approach, right? Regulatory approach. Whether I promote things in a or whether I whether I attack my goals in a promotion or prevention way, um, matters a lot. So here's the idea: what you want to do is you got to kind of take a moment to think about how you what you believe your customer is trying to do. Are they seeking to maximize uh, gains or minimize losses? And just by looking at those two things, um, like I said, one's called a, a promotion, one's called prevention. It will dramatically change the way you frame up your brand. So here, here's the example I'll give you. Let's say you, the three of us, we're going to go and we're going to build a chip company. Um, and we did a, we, we did some work and we found out we actually can make a healthy chip, whatever. Um, so we could frame up that, that chip company and that brand in two different ways. One could be, we are um, going to talk about how Healthy it is. It's organic. It's got a bunch of vitamins and minerals and all that kind of stuff. That's great. That's about promotion. But and that's what happens. Most 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 people just think about. Oh, I want to talk about my benefits. I want to talk about the good things my 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 uh, my brand does. But I'm telling you, equally important, and maybe even sometimes, especially here in the states. This idea of preventing loss is really, really powerful. So, rather than talking about the advantages that your brand does and all the, the benefits and all the, you know, the vitamins and minerals and all that kind of stuff, um, talk about how you've removed the bad. So, we took out artificial ingredients, things like that. Just that small little reframe can make a really, really big impact. And so they, you don't have to do a lot of research on that at all. That's just basically getting a feel for what your customer is looking to do. Are they fearful? And they're, they're, they're fearful in, in this decision and they're trying to minimize uh, loss or risk, or are they trying to advantage themselves and, and, and maximize their chances of gain? So real simple technique. You, you, you use different visuals, things like that. All that stuff is... Um, uh, is in the book on how to think about framing, whether it's promotion prevention or even a lot of these biases that we're talking about. Because I talked about scarcity effect, but there's like 22 that I talk about in the book specifically about how to use them.
1: I don't know about you, Dean. I feel like reading. I feel like stopping the show right now to read the book.
0: Right. I was just um, not listening while I was ordering. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: that's right. Well, it, it's going to make you think a little bit differently. I think about a lot of different issues, like marketing you see or or politics. There's this great book. If you guys really are into this, um, it's it's called Win Bigly, um, and that's a, a book. Have you heard about this from oh, Scott yeah. Adams?
1: Yeah, I I, I read that one. Yeah, a a lot of
2: this stuff is in there, right? A lot of this stuff is in how how did Donald Trump kind of use these sciences to basically make himself a candidate and ultimately win the the nomination and and the presidency. And so whether you like him or not, it doesn't matter. You will respect the amount of behavioral science in what he does. And, and it's kind of debatable in that book, whether he's doing it on purpose or not. But I mean, they're talking about it as a weapons grade persuader. And it's so cool to read it from that perspective because now you're like, oh my gosh, the things that he says, um, the, the, the messaging that I look at, the advertising I see, now it's you're always thinking it through, or at least I do, thinking through this lens of behavioral sciences and it'll totally sh- change um, the way you look at social media, the way you look at advertising and even politics.
1: Well, similar to how Dean has his power in his beard, Donald Trump has <laughs> power in his hair, right? right? So everybody has their their the power only base. The the difference is
0: I don't have to actually say anything for the beard to create
1: influence. <laughs> That's right. You All just walk in.
0: Just a the yeah. mere look.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, it sounds amazing and the and I think the tips and and the and the strategies are are obviously found in science. There could be a tendency for people to overcomplicate putting this into practice. Yeah, would you agree I with do. That? And that's
2: been my struggle. I mean, I've work with, you know, some of the biggest brands in, in the world. And, and God, I was just on a meeting. I won't tell you. Who, well, if they're listening, they would know because I was in a meeting yesterday, in fact. And I, I literally texted this person saying, they're so overthinking this. Um, and so, yeah, it happens a lot. And so what I try to do, was um, write a practical guide to it because, yeah, you can get lost in all the behavioral psychology stuff and motivational sciences and who the hell wants to, to do that. Right. So even in fact, it, there's a point in the book, I think it's in the introduction where I say um, this book was written for those who don't want to who, who don't want to earn a Ph.D. while reading a book. So I took out all the jargon because it gets convoluted. Because you guys could have some guy over there, maybe in Denmark, who's really focused on this one particular strain of motivational psychology. You got another guy at Stanford, and there's debates. Why even go through that? Like this book was written for that real estate agent. The book was written for um, a basic agency that's just trying to amplify or, or make their marketing a little bit better. So I try to take out all that jargon, all the scientific. If you want to learn behavioral science, this book is not for you. This book is. Grounded in behavioral science, but I wrote it to not talk to behavioral scientists. I wanted to write it to people like uh, the average brand marketer, the average real estate agent, just somebody who's got other things to do outside of reading a book on mind state marketing.
1: So, where would you say? Would you say that uh, books like uh, Chal- that Cialdini has written, like influence and persuasion and stuff, do those, in your opinion, tend to be more on the theoretical side and less on the practical side, or do you think he's got a good blend of that stuff too? Or I'd Just say a little
2: like more on the, yeah, the theoretical side, though, though I use, in fact, Cialdini's work at like his 10 or maybe his eight uh, biases that he made famous, what, 20 years ago are in this book. But what yeah. I find is that what I brought to this area is I have 20 years of brand management experience and marketing research. so and, and a lot of these, um, you know, the DNA Cialdini, Cialdini, um, even Kahneman they don't have that level of experience. They have a consulting gig on the side. They work with brand managers, but I had like I know what it means to f- sit across a table from a Walmart buyer. I've been in those meetings where you're trying to sell your product into uh, into a Best Buy. So I have that stuff. And I'm like, golly, let's not talk about the theoretical side of it. Um let's talk right to practicality." And so even at the end of every chapter, I'm just asking the reader to, to write down some, some answers to some questions. Um, and I feel like that's something that was missing out in in the work or actually in, in the market. There wasn't like a lot of practicality though. It's getting better. I'd say some of these, these guys, even persuasion, it talks a lot more. There's a lot more practicality in his latest book, um, on persuasion or even some of the stuff that Dan Mm -hmm. Pink does. There's a little more practicality in it, but they both, it's either an academic who is studying the science so much and they look at it from a theoretical point of view, or you have like a Dan Pink who's more of a reporter who is at least a little bit closer in on this stuff, but he hasn't lived you know, through a customer summit at Walmart. He hasn't lived through doing an innovation summit, um, you know, trying to sell oatmeal, right? So that's where I think the practicality uh, comes in, where I just don't find that in a lot of books. So I made the conscious effort to not do that. In fact, I, I made the conscious effort in this book to, I even named it The Practical Guide to Applying Behavioral Design to Research and Marketing.
1: So I suppose is it fair to say that when you had, you, you talked about that meeting that you had with that guy where he talked for 45 minutes and he was like, what the hell are we talking about? <laughs> um, and he was excited about it And so were you, you were probably like, your journey has almost been taking this stuff and and translating it to be more practical. It was by right?
2: Because it was so theoretical four years ago. Yeah. You know, like I would ask people in audiences, like he "Who's here to system one thinking or not. I mean, I had to prove four or five years ago. That um, that people were making a lot of subconscious decisions. That's that's for real. Like it just wasn't really common. Actually, c- clients in the UK, um, Dean, you'll appreciate this. They were much more open to this idea. But in the states, it was like I, they they just didn't come from this world. So it was by necessity that I had to bring practicality to it because, frankly, I figured out that. Um, most people don't want to be educated for an hour about the subconscious. Like they just don't. They just want to go to their kids' T ball game at five o'clock. And if you can save them a little time by making it practical, so much the better. And so uh, it was by necessity or the company would have failed, for, probably. And that's why I think you're seeing more and more companies go more on the practicality side of things.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, for sure.
1: Let's talk about this in terms of sales. Is, so you talked about it in in terms of marketing and how to you know understand the goals, and motivations, and you know the approach that people are going to take and their models mm-hmm. and triggers and stuff like that when it comes to getting the messaging right. Does this is this equally applicable in like one to one sales or uh, you know kind of stage selling? Yeah, I think it's like actually more
2: applicable. So the, the I, I don't know if it's a problem, but but the issue with trying to use it in marketing is that you don't really control the medium all that well. Like I I can't. Um, I have to go, I have to talk through a piece of packaging. I have to talk through a website or digital ad or whatever. One-to-one, if, if, if I'm the real estate agent and I'm talking directly to somebody who is interested in purchasing a house, I can very quickly, if I'm smart and I'm kind of using my intuition, understand, ah, they're driven by security. Therefore, I'm going to talk about this neighborhood of, I'm going to start framing up this neighborhood as being very secure or safe. Or let's say if they're talking about how they just got this big promotion or they moved because of a big promotion, well, now they may be driven by achievement. And so now I know how to frame up this house, same house around how this house is perfect for those people who, who are stepping up into the next, like that prime stepping up would, would match back to the achievement motivation. And, I think it's best used in one-to-one interactions. Uh, it's harder because you have to be more kind of aware. But I think the next book I'll write will be about selling to mind states because I totally think on one-to-one conversations, this stuff is much more uh, uh, impactful because you control that environment. You control the discussion more more so than if you're trying to talk through a piece of packaging or you know, a TV ad. So
1: I got a, a very practical question. What can How can I use this stuff to get Dean to talk more on the episodes? <laughs> I was waiting for this to be about me. <laughs> But, uh, I know, Dean. <laughs> I realize we're almost thirty minutes in. I haven't said shit about you today. I
2: know, and I feel I feel bad, Dean. Like I, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm monopolizing the conversation. I I've thought you were going to interject a little more and, well, uh, you and shoot me. So. Good it's okay. <laughs> Yeah. You're reading the book. You're you're reading the book. Yeah. I wish I had something. I think Dean is beyond any kind of behavioral science. He's beyond anything that we can do at at this level. I think we need another couple of decades of research on him before we can get him. (laughs) He
1: transcends. He transcends all of the research that you've done. (laughs)
2: That's
0: right. He can't. well i appreciate both of you. so uh not at all
2: right now
1: <laughs> <laughs> well he did he did throw a compliment to the citizens of the united kingdom That's in your true. direction That's
2: true. i thought he was gonna pick that up but he just sat there i think he was really contemplating whether or not that was sincere or not I, it was very sincere. He's just against everything i'm used to on this show <laughs> i'm like
0: i didn't know how to take it in i just started shaking my head like crazy know <laughs> what was Cut
2: happening
1: to mention him, I mean. it got him off guard between that and the page that he was already on 100 between the fact that he was already on the page 116 <laughs> of your book right. he was just I like, like all right whatever yeah no that's that's how he roll. so in all seriousness dean any uh, any comments or questions before we wrap yeah, no, up the I, show
0: i I, would, uh, I i definitely go with what you said james like i i loved all the hacks and uh, i love everything that you've shared and i think it's a fascinating subject and i think uh, i i'm genuinely like excited to get into the book and uh, read a lot more about this so i appreciate it will thank you
1: awesome thanks yeah. for having me yeah as as am i so so let's uh let's not keep everyone suspended in uh curiosity any longer where can they go to find this book
2: yes if you go to marketing to mindstates.com you can learn more about the book you can learn about me the author the company but also um, there's a resources tab where you can download um, you're going to find in the book is that we we go it's almost like a choose your own adventure Um, and so if you buy the book you're going to read a couple of things and then you're going to basically go through a choose your own adventure where it's going to help you understand the mind state of whoever it is you're trying to influence, but then you actually, with the mind state comes, well, okay, so great. I understand the mindset. Well, how do I talk to this person? Well, there's these things called behavioral activation briefs. So think of it as a creative brief that you overlay on top of whatever it is that you already are trying to communicate. Um, to these consumers. Well, I put all 18 of these briefs online so you can download them, right? Like I'm giving you the same things I use for my agency. Um, There's a whole bunch of other resources too. So I would encourage you to go to marketingtomindstates.com. Go to the resources tab. You don't have to pay for any of that stuff. It's free. Just upload. It'll tell you a bunch of books. You'll see Cialdini's books up there. I give you a bunch of a list of books to read if you're interested in this stuff, um, webinars, all that kind of stuff. Um, Or if you don't want to do that, if you want to bypass that whole thing, you can also get it on amazon.com and barnesandnoble.com. Awesome.
1: Outstanding. Okay. Well, I think uh I think this is great. And I think, you know, this is this is where you get leverage in marketing, right? By really understanding behavior and, and psychology and all this stuff. And uh Will, I really, really do appreciate you being on the show here today. Um and uh, you know, for for Fielding all of Dean's questions, I know that wasn't easy, and you broke a sweat having to do that. But but thank you.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go take a nap after all of the, the the thinking I had to do because of Dean. So I appreciate that. Uh, but hey, thanks guys for having me on. Uh, you know, I love what you guys do. Keep on doing what you're doing uh, because we need more of it. So appreciate the time.
1: Awesome. Thanks. And next time I eat a bowl of oatmeal, I will absolutely be thinking about you and hopefully reading your book at the same
2: time. I'm sorry, How we triggered you to eat that oatmeal. So be careful. Yeah, That's, that's <laughs> right. So, all right. Well, thank
1: you. Uh, thank you, Will. Thank you, Dean Holland. Thank you, Dean Holland's beard. All of you guys for being on the show here today. Uh, thank you to our listeners. We appreciate you guys. Make sure you tell your friends about us. Subscribe, listen more. We need more than just Dean's mom listening to the show. And this is James B. Frill signing off for another episode of Just the Tips. And we will talk with you guys next time. Later, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Just the Tips, where we believe business should be profitable and fun. For show notes, links, and other information on our guests, visit justthetipsshow.com. For more information on how to connect with Dean Holland, visit deanholland.com. And if you'd like to get free from the day-to-day operations of your business while making more money, visit me at jamespfreelcom forward slash autopilot. Our theme music is Happy Happy Game Show by Kevin MacLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license.